0: Hello my friends, uh, I'm still mad about last Friday's press conference by Doug Ford, where he announced really a police state. I'm also mad at the silence of federal conservatives in the face of the worst crisis since the second world war. I'll give you my thoughts on that and I just let her rip at one MP who's just such a disappointment. Um, Before I do that, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's a video version of this podcast uh, and, th- and today's a good one. There's just some, an incredible montage of what Doug Ford and his cronies said. Just unbelievable. Uh, it's just eight bucks a month to become a subscriber. Go to rebelnews.com, click subscribe, eight bucks or 80 bucks for the whole year in advance. And you know what? In addition to getting the video version of my show, plus Sheila Gunn reed David Menzies, and Andrew Chapados, uh, who each have weekly shows, you get the satisfaction in knowing that you're keeping Rebel News strong because we don't take a dime from Trudeau. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, Ontario lurches from bad to terrible. It's April 19th, and this is The Ezra LeVant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon I consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only the thing I have to say is the government, the wire house, It's because it's my bloody right to do so. I can't get over the appalling press conference that Doug Ford and his cronies in the Ontario government held at the end of the day on Friday. I hesitate to even show him the respect of calling him Premier Ford, and it's simply false advertising to call his party Conservative I feel the same way about Alberta's so-called United Conservative Party, which is neither united nor conservative. You know, permit this quick tangent for me. Just by chance, I was Googling who was the sitting member of parliament in whose district the Grace Life Church in Parkland County sits. You literally had a constituent, the pastor, in prison for 35 days. For holding a church service, you literally have police expropriating an entire church and turning it into a paramilitary garrison. You literally have 300 churchgoers meeting in secret every Sunday in an underground church to evade police. And you haven't said a word about any of this, but you call yourself a conservative? It's this guy and nobody named Dane Lloyd, you know. Pierre Trudeau was wrong about most things, but he said about MPs, that there are nobodies a 100 yards off Parliament Hill. That applies in spades to this empty shell, this walking nullity, this child in a man's place. Have you heard Dane Lloyd, MP, say anything about Grace Life Church? I have, actually. but there lies. Look at his own website. Dane Lloyd, Canadian Member of Parliament for Sturgeon River Parkland, is one of the nation's leading advocates for freedom and access to the vast opportunities Canada presents. Is he, in fact, one of the nation's leading advocates for freedom? I think that's false advertising. I think Dane Lloyd is a wicked liar, and I would tell him that if I ever saw him, but to be honest, he's such a nothing, I don't think I would recognize him if I bumped into him. He's an invisible man known for nothing, for doing nothing, for being nothing when it counted most. One more lie from this lying liar. Dane's outlook, preserving Canadian freedom. Dane's philosophy on life and politics is quite simple. Maintain respect for tradition, but also be willing to adapt when the situation calls for some innovation. With careful consideration and preserving stability and an eye on global trends, Dane believes we need to act boldly as a nation, to fight for peace and justice. Yeah. I don't know who, who you paid to, to, to write that stuff for you, Dane. It's pretty clear that you didn't write it yourself because I, I don't even think you read it, frankly, because you utterly don't believe it. You believe the opposite. You haven't acted boldly in your entire career as a backbench nothing. The people of Sturgeon River Parkland would be better served by an empty seat in Parliament. They would save hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in salaries and your luxury expenses. But more than that, they wouldn't be laboring under the false pretense that they had someone in Parliament who cared about them or freedom. Dane Lloyd is a placebo. He's a fake. He's a counterfeit conservative. I would rather have an honest liberal telling me he believed in the lockdown and believed in arresting church pastors and believed in driving hundreds of Christians to worship in secret. I would rather have an honest liberal than a liar like Dane Lloyd, who says he fights boldly for freedom, but that's a deception for the masses to pretend he's like them, Some, something to send to them when it's time to ask for donations to help promote Aaron O'Toole and his carbon tax campaign. I live in Toronto. I have an awful liberal member of parliament in my district, an incompetent, unethical, permanent politician for life, and aider and a better of Justin Trudeau. But the one thing she is not, the one thing she is not shy about, the one thing she doesn't lie about, is that she's a leftist. She's honest about that. Unlike Dane Lloyd, the hollow man. But really, why should I pick on him? Can you name me one conservative MP who lives up to the title of conservative these days? Look, look at them. Here's Garnet Genuis from the heart of the oil patch near Edmonton. Uh, here's what he had to say a couple years ago. Follow-up, re-constituent survey mailer received 576 responses. 82% opposed the carbon tax. Question was, do you support the carbon tax? Sent to all households. Survey captures views of respondents, likely represents pop- population within small margin of error. Mail survey is better than landline calls. So that was him two years ago. Today, he's promoting Aaron O'Toole's carbon tax claiming it's a levy, not a tax. So it's fine, you see. Hey, that, that's what my liberal MP in Toronto says. But at least she's honest that she's a liberal. She doesn't say she's a conservative. All right. Thank you for indulging my detour there. But I have to say all of these people are engaging in false advertising when they call themselves conservative. I'm sorry, they, they don't own that word and we have to take it back from them because they're destroying the meaning of that word. Aaron O'Toole has destroyed the reputation that conservatives have for opposing the carbon tax, and all of them are destroying the reputation that conservatives have for respecting civil liberties by not opposing the lockdown, and it's very frustrating. So back to the disgraceful Doug
1: Ford, take a look at this. We've implemented the strictest measures in all of North America, and the difficult truth is every public health measure we have left comes with a massive cost to people and their lives. But we have never shied away from doing what is necessary.
2: We have made the deliberate decision to temporarily enhance police officers authority for the duration of the stay-at-home order. Moving forward, police will have the authority to require any individual who is not in a place of residence to first provide their purpose for not being at home and provide their home address. Police will also have the authority to stop a vehicle, to inquire about an individual's reason for leaving their residence.
3: And our inspectors will also be ensuring that those who absolutely must come to work are strictly following the public health measures. For our employers and employees, take note. This is your last
4: warning. I'm wondering about these new police powers to just randomly stop someone walking down the street or to pull over a car. What happens if uh, if a person refuses to answer the police questions?
2: So by issuing these new additional enforcement measures, it allows police officers to ask the person why they are not at their place of residence and what their place of residence is. And specifically to your question, um, if you are not willing to comply, then you are breaking the law. Uh, if someone
4: sees um, uh, their neighbours uh, breaking these these new regulations um, and, and having a party in their yard, that sort of thing, should should people call police on their neighbors?
2: In terms of people calling um, to snitch, to inform, um, look, we all have a personal responsibility. If it means saving lives, then I think we have to think about what your social responsibilities are as an individual to make sure that you don't empower other people and invite a whole bunch of individuals to your home.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry, that's a police state, but in English, instead of German or Persian or Chinese, snitch on your neighbors, police pulling you over for any reason or no reason, police coming to your place of work. This is your final warning, that loser, Monty McNaughton. So, so gross. They have to lose. They have to be repudiated. They have have to be discarded. They have canceled themselves out. For us to support them in any way is to dirty ourselves. It was such an overreach that immediately police forces uh, felt they had to distance themselves from it. Andrew Lawton compiled a list. More than 30 Ontario police departments said they simply would not enforce those authoritarian rules, which is good. But really, we've already seen what those same police forces have done before the latest version of the rules. Here's what Toronto's police did to a little barbecue restaurant that didn't lock its doors. We
4: need this car. Get back. Get back. Get back. He's got my wrist. <laughs>
0: 100 riot police and that was before this police state announcement here's the same toronto police service attacking our reporters
2: oh no I'm <laughs>
4: sorry,
2: As- As-
4: As- As- As-
2: As-
0: We're suing them for that. So, yeah, I'm really grateful that Ontario's police won't listen to their out-of-control premier, but they're still out of control themselves. And a year into this, no one has corrected them. They think this is normal now. No wonder Ford thought he could go this far. I see that a single member of the Ontario caucus that follows Ford, an MPP named Christina Midas, has issued a mild statement expressing some discomfort with being part of a police state. She didn't quit or anything like that. Now, I would mock her for her minuscule step, but isn't it more than 99.9% of all so-called conservative politicians across this country have done? certainly more than the Coward of the Prairie's Dane Lloyd has done. Christina might have sent a letter to her fellow conservative MPPs and leaked it to the media. It's a good letter as far as it goes. I won't read it all. You can find it online. She indicates that she fought against these rules within the caucus. She points out that these rules were universally rejected by the public and police forces. She questions the bans on outdoor exercise, which of course has no scientific basis. She questions the police take state searches. And she ends by, quote, strongly urging the province to reverse course. It's been 48 hours since that email was released. And as far as I know, she hasn't been fired yet. But that's the thing about authoritarians. They don't take kindly to dissent. That's why they dissolve parliaments and crack down on reporters. Both Justin Trudeau and Doug Ford, both neither are conservatives. Hey, one last thing. Let me show you something. Every day in Ontario, 300 people die. Even more are born, by the way. It's the cycle of life in a province of 14 and a half million people. Um, Out of those 300 people who die every day, 23 die from COVID. That's nothing to celebrate, but it's not in the order of heart attacks or or cancer or strokes. There are overwhelmingly people who are very old and very sick. I'm sorry they're dying, but it's not the riskiest thing in Ontario right now. It's just not. But look at this, and the same source here, Ontario's own COVID stats, 90 days ago, the number of people dying every day in Ontario averaged 60, so almost triple. We're, we're, we're down two-thirds. The number of people dying every day in Ontario is about a third of what it was back in January. So, so why are they ramping up the lockdown extremism now? They're literally setting up police checkpoints on the highways from Quebec and Manitoba as if that were the problem. Oh, no such checkpoints at Roxham Road, I I should let you know. This is madness. This is not conservative. No one who does this deserves the name conservative, and no one who is silent in the face of this deserves the name conservative either. Stay with us for more. Friday afternoon when we had pretty much done our work for the week and we put our Friday night show together, but Ontario Premier Doug Ford had an emergency press conference. It had been scheduled for several hours earlier, but obviously there was tremendous quarreling within his disunited Conservative Party, which is to be expected given he is not particularly conservative anymore. It was a shocking and appalling, Mm -hmm. people use those words too often, but this is one of the times that they really fit. It was shocking and appalling what he said. I'd like to play for you a montage of some of the lowlights of that Friday press conference by Ontario Premier Doug Ford and various members of his cabinet. And I know not all of our viewers are in Ontario, and not all are even in Canada, but this is the mindset of not the Conservative Party or the Labour Party or the Liberal Party or any particular party by name, but rather a party that I call the Lockdown Party that believes in lockdownism and that, whatever its name used to be, labor definitely not for the working people, liberals definitely don't believe in freedom, conservatives definitely don't believe in conserving things, they all believe in lockdownisms.
1: Listen to this disgrace. We have implemented the strictest measures in all of North America, and the difficult truth is every public health measure we have left comes with a massive cost. To people and their lives. But we have never shied away from doing what's necessary.
2: We have made the deliberate decision to temporarily enhance police officers' authority for the duration of the stay at home order. Moving forward, police will have the authority to require any individual who is not in a place of residence to first provide their purpose for not being at home and provide their home address police will also have the authority to stop a vehicle to inquire about an individual's reason for leaving their residence.
3: And our inspectors will also be ensuring that those who absolutely must come to work are strictly following the public health measures. For our employers and employees, take note. This is your last
4: warning. Um, I'm wondering about these new police powers to just randomly stop someone walking down the street or to pull over a car. What happens if uh... If a person refuses to answer the police questions,
2: so by issuing these new additional enforcement measures, it allows police officers to ask the person why they are not at their place of residence and what their place of residence is. And specifically to your question, um, if you are not willing to comply, then you are breaking the law. Uh, if and someone
4: sees um, uh, their neighbors uh, breaking these these new regulations. Um, and, and having a party in their yard, that sort of thing. Should, should people call police on their neighbours?
2: In terms of people calling um, to snitch, to inform, um, look, we all have a personal responsibility. If it means saving lives, then I think we have to think about what your social responsibilities are as an individual to make sure that you don't empower other people and invite a whole bunch of individuals to your home.
0: Those are excerpts from a disastrous press release, press conference, excuse me, on Friday afternoon. I call it disastrous because I start with our freedoms as the default. So this was a disastrous assault on them. Uh, It was also disastrous in terms of how it was received. For the first time, I can recall, members of the media were actually skeptical and critical. You saw that one question about snitching. Um, I think a lot of people were caught by surprise with the warrantless search and seizure, the uh, police prowling the streets, stopping anyone without cause, demanding to see their papers, demanding their names and addresses, demanding why they're going about their lives, uh, because In quick succession, literally dozens of Ontario's police forces made it known that they would not be complying with these requests. The Peel Regional Police Association union boss, I think, was the most eloquent, but a lot of police said the same, including some that don't really have a lot of credibility in the matter. I see that Toronto's police said they would not enforce it, but of course, we know from firsthand observation, they have been amongst the most brutal enforcers of the lockdown, But even if these tweets in objection to Doug Ford were simply partisan virtue signaling, it was at least nice to see them for what they were worth. Finally, a critical difference of opinion. But the edicts were the edicts, and the orders were the orders. And there was a particularly brutal order affecting churches, limiting them to just 10 people in the church, regardless of how large the building. There are some mighty churches out there some of them with the capacity of more than 1,000 people, Yet they're only allowed 10, unlike, say, a Walmart or a Costco that has a proportion of the facility open. Well, lucky for the church at Trinity Bible Chapel, they have the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom on their side, and they were actually in court on Friday defending that church against another assault on their freedoms by the lockdown government of Ontario. Joining us now via Skype is our friend John Carpe, the president of the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom. John, great to see you again. You're one of the good guys out there fighting against lockdownism. Tell me a little bit more about Trinity Bible Chapel. They're one of these churches that regardless of how large they are, they're only allowed 10 people, am I right?
3: That's right, it's not a capacity limit, like 15% capacity or 50% capacity. It's just uh, on the number of people Uh, without regard to the size of the building. And this is the government has no evidence. Uh, The government has not brought forward any evidence in court that uh, these churches are responsible for the spread of COVID or uh, loss of life. There's just no evidence there. And we're also going after the government for failing to produce evidence for its position that uh, healthy asymptomatic people are spreaders of the virus. Uh, the science just does not back that up.
0: You know, this one church, it, it, it startles me, the insane obsession with churches. I haven't seen any mosques or Sikh temples or Buddhist temples or Jewish synagogues attacked with the ferocity that I've seen Christian churches attack. By the way, I don't want those other religious institutions to be attacked. I'm just pointing out that it only seems to be Christian churches, whether it's the Grace Life Church in the Edmonton area or the Trinity Bible Chapel in the Waterloo area. Why do you think there's such a vigor with which the government pursues churches as opposed to Walmarts and Costcos or even other religions and their churches and temples? I have my theories, but I'd like to hear yours because you're actually involved in so many of these legal cases.
3: This is part of the, the totalitarian spirit uh, that, you know, nothing can be higher than the state. And, you know, lockdownism, and I, I like your term, and I think it's apt and accurate and fairer to talk about lockdownism, is, uh, is an ideology that uh, does not want people to look at an authority higher than government. And we've seen that in, uh, in commun- communist uh, Russia in the Soviet bloc for many decades, from 1917 all the way through to the early 1990s. Uh, we've seen it in Franco Spain, Mussolini's Italy, Nazi Germany, Pol Pot's Cambodia, uh, communist China. Whenever you have a totalitarian ideology, the government can't stand anybody be they uh, christian jewish muslim whatever anybody that looks to an authority higher than the state so the this is part of totalitarianism is that you submit to the government the government is the highest authority the government holds out a great cause and currently that cause is you know so-called saving lives uh which of course lockdowns don't do that and the evidence is not there to support it But this is all about saving lives. Therefore, we're going to take away your freedom of association, your freedom of worship, uh, and one that's being particularly ruthlessly targeted is your freedom of peaceful assembly. If there was ever a time... When the charter freedom to assemble peacefully with other people to protest government oppression, if there was if there was ever a, a time that was more important than right now, I don't know what that time would be. Now is the time when we most need our uh, charter freedom of peaceful assembly to protest peacefully against these uh, repressive and unjustified violations of our freedoms. And now it's illegal to meet outdoors uh, for for a peaceful. Protest. And again, there, there's no science to support the notion that COVID spreads outdoors. We know it does not. Uh, the science tells us that COVID does not spread amongst healthy people. So you got a bunch of healthy people voluntarily meeting outdoors. There's absolutely no medical or scientific reason whatsoever to prohibit peaceful outdoor assembly. There is no science there. This is wicked, naked totalitarianism, and I am appalled that these government officials still dare to talk about temporary measures, temporary police powers. We are 13 months into this. This is not temporary. If you believe this is temporary, you are naive.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, you mentioned lack of evidence, and incredibly, in the Alberta case, I'm sort of mixing cases, but you guys are involved in so many important ones, of the Grace Life Church the government there has been on the warpath against that church for months. Uh, you challenged them on behalf of the church, and yet they say, oh, we don't have our experts ready. Uh, we can't uh, submit to cross-examination on our science. We're not ready. Thirteen months in, and they don't have it handy. It sounds like they don't have it. I, I, I note in your press release, let me just put on the screen here, your latest press release, Has says Justice Center successfully defends Ontario church against government, attempt to lock its doors, shocking, uh, shows that they want to follow Alberta's bad example and lock down the, uh, uh, the church in Ontario the way Grace Life is. But I'm heartened. Let me read one paragraph from your press release. Ontario's former chief medical officer of health, Dr. Richard Shabus, who served as chief of staff at York Central Hospital during the 2003 SARS crisis, has also spoken out against lockdowns and he will be providing expert testimony in support of your constitutional challenge. I find that so encouraging. So it's not just punditry. It's not just opinions. Here's a real expert who's giving his medical opinion based on his central role in the SARS battle 20 years ago.
3: Well, the the governments of uh, Alberta, Manitoba, Ontario, they hate medical and scientific evidence because they've been getting away with, in the last 13 months, You've got these uh, softball questions from government-funded media who are effectively cheerleaders for the lockdowns and, and rarely will, you know, pr- print or publish or, or broadcast anything that might challenge that narrative. But now the governments have to actually produce evidence in court. And in, in the trial of Pastor Coates taking place on May 5th, you know, this trial is taking place 14 months into the violation of our charter freedoms And the alberta government has stated publicly we don't have the medical and scientific evidence ready to present in court that tells you everything you need to know because you know and i understand in litigation okay you might you might need a week or two uh, for something that's been going on for 13 months if these measures were based on science and based on medicine it should not take longer than a week or two weeks uh even three four five six weeks uh, to put the evidence together and get your experts lined up and get your chief medical officer ready to be cross-examined. And yet the government, they knew about this May, this May 3rd trial, they knew about this in mid-February. So they had 10 weeks' notice that this was going to trial, that they would need to produce the medical and scientific evidence in court. And they went to court, and they successfully got an, uh, an order that, that they can delay until July Uh, which would be March, April, May, June, July. So 16 months into lockdowns, the government needs 16 months to get its medical and scientific evidence together after violating our charter freedoms for over a year. This is outrageous, and and any fair-minded person should be able to look at this and see that uh, the medical and scientific evidence just isn't there. Because if it was, why would you have governments running scared and trying to avoid the evidence? Yeah, I'm I'm disappointed
0: that the judge gave them that extension. Um, The onus ought to be on the government. In fact, my recall of the charter and the onus and the Oaks test, as it's called, to test um, the constitutionality of of infringements like this, the onus is on the government to prove you can't have the freedom. It's not on you to prove you can have the freedom. And I'm disappointed that the judge uh, let them get away with it. I'm disappointed that the media in the main is fine with this war on churches. I'm extra disappointed in church leaders because most churches in Canada are either silent as mice or actually cheering on the government. I saw a gross press release from Knox United Church cheering the police expropriation of Grace Life Church up in Edmonton. There, we are, our, our reporter Sheila gunn was actually embedded with the church. They had a secret underground church meeting yesterday. I'll let Sheila tell the story. An underground church hidden from police. That is the stuff of communist China that's happening in Canada. Not a word from law professors, lawyers, judges, the media, other church leaders, so-called free speech civil liberties groups on the left. Not a word, let alone from opposition parties, let alone from so-called conservative politicians who claim to be about freedom. I find it is a total failure of the establishment, John, a total failure. Last word to you.
3: It's an utter lack of compassion. I was queried last week by um, some mainstream media reporter uh, suggesting that, that lockdowns are compassionate and shame on any church that would dare to not comply. You know, it's not compassionate to throw people into unemployment and and poverty and misery. It's not compassionate to... Uh, take away people's lives and livelihoods it's not compassionate to destroy the life savings that people have invested in their business and most lockdown advocates there are some exceptions but they have public sector privilege these are the university professors the politicians uh, the teachers uh, all these public sector workers who have had zero negative financial impact in the last 13 months and they are quite comfortably uh, lecturing Uh, other people about compassion you know if these uh if part and parcel of the lockdowns 13 months ago was to force every public sector worker uh, every teacher every social worker every university professor every politician to start living on two thousand dollars a month i don't think the lockdowns would have lasted longer than a week or two uh but you've got this public sector privilege that is is driving this and there's a complete utter lack of compassion for for people uh, that, that have died because their surgery got cancelled, uh, people who will die of cancer because uh, the likes of Doug Ford and, and Jason Kenney and the chief medical officers have cancelled the MRI and CT scans that would have detected the cancer early enough. It's not compassionate to cause people to die of cancer uh, because, of the, because of these ideological lockdowns, and it is appalling that so many religious leaders are not just not opposing these lockdowns, but in some cases they're cheering on the lockdowns. And I, I think it's an utter lack of, of compassion.
0: Yeah. Well, you mentioned, uh, the public sector privilege, I would call those the high priests of lockdownism. Those are the people who have newfound power, newfound fame, newfound respect, people who 15 months ago were completely anonymous nobodies, uh, anonymous bureaucrats toiling away doing who knows what, now they're stars on TV every day. They don't want the lockdown to end. They've never had more power, fame, um, influence, control, and they'll keep evolving their lockdownism um, to perpetuate it forever. They never want this to end. Why would they? It's shocking. John, I'm so glad you're fighting hard for so many churches. We represent a couple of churches, but I know you represent many cases across Canada. And I would like to encourage our viewers, and I know so many of our viewers are your supporters, but for those who haven't, to go to jccf.ca and make a contribution to support John's efforts. John, you're doing great stuff. Thanks for keeping in touch with us. Thanks for having me on your show, Ezra. All right, my pleasure. There you have it, John Carpe, he's the boss at the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. He is fighting where so few dare to tread. Stay with us. Hey, welcome back. Your viewer comments, Deb Wilson says, is O'Toole perhaps getting some kind of deal to lose in the coming election? You know, so funny you say that I just caught out of the corner of my eyes, some pay-per-view fight between, uh, Jake Paul and Ben Askren that was over so quickly. And this brute of a guy just went down like that. And then he was smiling afterwards. And I thought, I wonder if he took the fall. I wonder if he took some cash to take the fall. It's happened before in sports. Could it possibly be happening in politics? I don't think Aaron O'Toole is taking the fall for money or a deal or a payoff. I don't think he is. I think he's just not a conservative. And I think he's got terrible advice. I think he misunderstands Canada. I think he is not ideological. I think he's just, you know, the he he, he wasn't the first choice under Harper. He wasn't the first choice after Harper when, when Andrew Scheer won. He's like... It's his turn, and he doesn't know what he's doing, and he's getting, you know, his chief advisor was the same chief advisor for Patrick Brown, the disastrous uh, temporary leader of the Ontario Conservatives. I don't think he's being paid to take the fall. I think he just is that bad a leader. Loretta Herzog says, I never thought I would lose respect for police the way I have this past year. Unbelievable. I feel the same way. And it is deeply painful to me. I do not like to be on the other side from police. But I swear it's not me who moved. They did. Jared Thompson says, The rebels been taking a lot of flack lately, even more than usual. You are definitely over the target. We all need to keep fighting for freedom. Thanks, Jared. I feel like we're r- r- running 100% capacity all the time. Uh, like the engines run a little hot and we got to maybe gear down a bit, park change the oil, you know, just take our foot off the gas a bit. But really, can we? I feel like we have to fight so many fights. We have to tell so many stories. We have to defend ourselves for telling those stories. And you know what we do, we don't just stand back. Sometimes we get involved as we do with the Fight the Finds project. So yeah, but let me ask you this. Isn't this the time for us to sprint now? A year from now, two years from now is too late. Thanks for your support, by the way. All right, my friends, that's the show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.